Hey friends, welcome back to the Catwalk. My name is Clark Cowden. I'm the host of this podcast and I'm delighted that you've uh, joined with me for this week's message. Uh, today we are beginning a new series for the month of September and the month of October called The Journey. And we're going to be looking at the life of Moses and the story of Exodus. Uh, Moses was one of the most important uh, figures in the history of Israel. If they had their Mount Rushmore of most important figures in their nation's history, Moses certainly would have been on it. Uh, the Exodus story was probably the most defining moment in their history. Uh, it was an unforgettable moment that shaped who they were uh, for ages to come. And so we're going to take some time to look at this story. Uh, it's uh, very relevant to the journey we're on today and the changing world that we're living in. And we're going to be <clears throat> looking at some of the similarities and what we can learn about God and ourselves and the world as we look at uh, these series of messages. So today we begin with the beginning of Moses' life, uh, with his birth, and we're going to look at three major factors, the fear of the stranger, the fear of God, and the providence of God. We're going to see how these played out in the birth of Moses and how they play out in our lives as well. So I invite you to sit back and relax and listen to this message on the life of Moses and the series called The Journey. The single most important figure in the Hebrew Bible, what we call the Old Testament, was a man named Moses. The epic account of his life is the defining story of the Jewish people. All of the Jewish festivals, such as Passover, Yom Kippur, and Rosh Hashanah, are rooted in the story of Moses. The Old Testament law, which shaped Hebrew life, is attributed to him, as is the weekly observance of the Sabbath. For Christians, the life of Moses serves as the backdrop for much that we find in the Gospels, including the story of Jesus' flight into Egypt, the Sermon on the Mount, many of Jesus' teachings, the Last Supper, and even the crucifixion. In the Gospel account of Jesus' transfiguration, Moses actually appeared to Jesus and spoke to him. Moses is mentioned more than 70 times in the New Testament, and his story is alluded to in practically every book in the New Testament. We believe Moses was born about 1,500 years before the birth of Christ, yet his story continues to speak to us today. American slaves composed songs about Moses as they yearned for their freedom. Moses is enshrined in the architecture of the Supreme Court as one of the great lawgivers in history. In the last sermon Martin Luther King ever gave, he drew on the story of Moses on Mount Nebo, where he said, I have been to the mountaintop, where he had seen the promised land, 
but he said, I won't go into it with you. For the months of September and October, we're going to walk through the story of Moses and look at how it speaks into our lives and our world today. This morning, we start with the beginning of his life. The three major themes around his birth are the fear of the stranger, the fear of God, and the providence of God. In Exodus chapter 1, verses 6 through 10, we read this. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died, ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. Eventually, a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. He said to his people, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we are. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't, and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us. Then they will escape from the country. The cultural climate that Moses was born into was the fear of the stranger. The world had changed for the Israelites. The great leader, Joseph, who had been Pharaoh's prime minister, had died. A new Pharaoh was now in power who didn't know Joseph and who didn't have the same relationship with the Hebrews. The world had changed for the Egyptians. Pharaoh looked at this large immigrant population who were of a different race, and because he didn't know them or understand them, he became afraid of them. His fear came from making assumptions. His fears were not based on the facts. He was afraid that if a war broke out, the Israelites would join their enemies and fight against them and escape their country. This fear was not based on reality. None of the Hebrews had ever said this. He never sat down with them and asked them if this was true. He simply made an assumption. Pharaoh was afraid of losing control. Pharaoh was the most powerful ruler on earth, and yet he and his people were anxious about a minority population in their midst. Their fear led them to despise the Israelites and oppress them. Because they were different and because their numbers kept increasing, he was worried that eventually the Egyptians would not be able to control them. Fear is a powerful emotion, and irrational fear can lead us to do irrational things. The word xenophobia comes from the Greek and means fear of strangers. Now, my ancestors were Scotch-Irish, and many Irish Catholics were discriminated against when they first came to this country. Many years ago, the U.S. recruited people from China to move here as a source of cheap labor 
to help build our railroad system. But as the Chinese grew larger and larger, we became afraid of them. People talked about the yellow peril and Congress passed the Chinese Exclusion Act of 1882 that prohibited all Chinese from entering America for the next 60 years. By the 1920s, Americans were concerned that too many Russians and Eastern Europeans were coming to America. This new wave of fear led to the Immigration Act of 1924, which severely limited immigration of these groups while favoring white immigrants from England, France, and Germany. In today's world, people are afraid of Muslims, Mexicans, and many others. These are the same kinds of fears that motivated Pharaoh to act against the Israelites. This shows us that sometimes politics are based on the fear of the stranger and the fear of what might happen. They are based on a fear of losing control, that some other group that looks different than we do might take over our country. And the nation as we know it could come to an end. This is what we revert to when we don't have relationships with others. We make assumptions about them. We don't sit down and actually talk to them to see if our opinions are true or not. But our fears and our prejudices grow without checking out the facts. This is the cultural climate that Moses was born into, the fear of the stranger. The second big, big theme around the birth of Moses was the fear of God. The story continues in Exodus 1, 15 to 22. Then Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, gave this order to the Hebrew midwives, Shifra and Puah. When you help the Hebrew women as they give birth, watch as they deliver. If the baby is a boy, kill him. If it is a girl, let her live. But because the midwives feared God, they refused to obey the king's orders. They allowed the boys to live too. So God was good to the midwives and the Israelites continued to multiply, growing more and more powerful. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families of their own. Then Pharaoh gave this order to all his people. Throw every newborn Hebrew boy into the Nile River, but you may let the girls live. Dictators maintain their power through fear. They lose their power when people stop being afraid of them. Shifra and Puah are two of the heroines of this story. They were the heroes because they did not fear Pharaoh as much as they feared God. They had their priorities straight. They had been asked to commit infanticide. If the doctors of that time had known how to commit abortion, they probably would have been told to induce abortions too. But these midwives were pro-life. 
They knew it was wrong to kill a helpless, defenseless baby. What would you do if your boss or your employer put pressure on you to do something morally wrong or something that went against your faith in Christ? Would you do what you had to do to save your job and your income? Or would you do what you needed to do to save your soul? Shifra and Pua were two brave women who took a stand against the political and cultural forces of their day. They decided to save the lives of these babies, even if it meant disobeying the law of the land. They chose faith over fear. In doing so, they put their lives at great risk. The consequences of disobedience could have been severe. But they chose the fear of the Lord over the fear of Pharaoh. This is one of the first recorded acts of civil disobedience in history. In doing so, they saved the lives of countless children. Now, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verses 1 through 2, it says, Everyone must submit to governing authorities. For all authority comes from God, and those in positions of authority have been placed there by God. So anyone who rebels against authority is rebelling against what God had instituted, and they will be punished. We believe this. We encourage people to obey the law. But the question is, what if someone in authority over you asks you to do something illegal, immoral, or unethical? Then what do you do? Shifra and Pua show us that sometimes we need to have the courage to take a risk and disobey an earthly authority in order to obey God's authority. If the two are in conflict, we need to obey the word of God. We are called to resist evil, even if doing so comes at a personal cost. The story also provides the background to the story of the birth of Jesus in the New Testament. After Jesus was born, King Herod issued a law that all the baby boys under the age of two were to be killed. This caused Mary and Joseph to take Jesus and immigrate to Egypt in order to save his life. Much of the world is motivated by fear. The story encourages us to fear God and obey God, even when it's scary to do so. So the story of Moses' birth takes place in the midst of the fear of the stranger, the fear of God, and then thirdly, the providence of God. In Exodus 2, 1 through 10, it says, About this time, a man and woman from the tribe of Levi got married. The woman became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She saw that he was a special baby and kept him hidden for three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she got a basket made of papyrus reeds 
and waterproofed it with tar and pitch. She put the baby in the basket and laid it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile River. The baby's sister then stood at a distance, watching to see what would happen to him. Soon, Pharaoh's daughter came down to bathe in the river, and her attendants walked along the riverbank. When the princess saw the basket among the reeds, she sent her maid to get it for her. When the princess opened it, she saw the baby. The little boy was crying, and she felt sorry for him. This must be one of the Hebrew children, she said. Then the baby's sister approached the princess. Should I go and find one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you, she asked. Yes, do, the princess replied. So the girl went and called the baby's mother. Take this baby and nurse him for me, the princess told the baby's mother. I will pay you for your help. So the woman took her baby home and nursed him. Later, when the boy was older, his mother brought him back to Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted him as her own son. The princess named him Moses, for she explained, I lifted him out of the water. This is the first story in the Bible about adoption. Moses' mother was willing to give him up for adoption in order to save his life. She saw this as his best chance to have a good life and a good future. While the Bible doesn't say it, I bet that Moses' mother prayed lots of prayers that God would save her son's life. I bet she had a lot of sleepless nights worrying that Pharaoh's men might discover her baby and kill it. But in the story, God doesn't send angels to send Moses' life. He worked through two midwives who courageously practiced civil disobedience to save many Hebrew children. And then, strangely enough, he worked through Pharaoh's own daughter, who listened to her heart rather than her father's decree. In an act of grace, she took in a baby she knew was a Hebrew, and she raised him as if he were her own. Pharaoh's daughter took a stand for what was right and saved a baby's life. She knew she was disobeying the law of the land, but she did it anyway. The story of Moses' birth hardly mentions God at all, and yet it is clear that God was active through these four courageous women. Sometimes we pray for God to miraculously intervene in our world, and sometimes he does do that. But often God works mysteriously through people we would not expect. When we listen to the word of God, when we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, sometimes we are called to go against what the culture is doing and do what is right. When we do that, we can find ourselves being used by God to accomplish his purposes. God uses ordinary people in seemingly ordinary ways 
to do extraordinary things. Not only that, but God was working through some very disappointing and difficult circumstances. What mother wants to give up her baby and let someone else raise her child? How hard must that have been for Moses' mother? Why didn't God let her raise her own son? We don't know why. But the Bible is letting us know that God can work through heartbreaking situations. God can work through the most profoundly disappointing circumstances of your life. And he can bring great things and great people like Moses out of them and because of them. Moses was born in a scary time. People were living in fear. The powerless were afraid of the powerful, and the powerful were afraid of the powerless. The fear of the stranger caused people to do terrible things. The story is an encouragement to you to not give in to that fear. Instead, the story encourages you to fear God. There may be times that you are asked to do things that violate your conscience or violate the word of God. There are times you need to disobey and risk suffering the consequences. But the story of Moses' birth is ultimately a story about the providence of God. The evil in the world cannot stop God's will from happening. God works through unlikely people, like Shifra and Puah. God brings together rich people like Pharaoh's daughter with poor people like Moses' mother. God brings together people of different races, like Egyptians and Hebrews. God can bring together people from different religions to do the right thing. God worked through this interesting cast of characters to raise up the leader the people needed. So no matter how scary our world gets, no matter how unfair or unjust our world is, the story of Moses shows us that God is still in charge and nothing can stop the will of God from happening. God bless. Stay safe. See you soon.